on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. People get intimidated with going into rooms with people who are great. And that's one thing that I've made myself comfortable with because the only way for me to excel is to be around people that are greater than me. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf back again with you, Gathering the Kings podcast. Sydney Sogmore on the stage today. How you doing, brother? Hey, I'm doing awesome, bro. Thank you so much for having me on here. Yeah, man. I'm excited to hear your story. You've got a little bit of a unique story, right. as we all do, but today's <laughs> about you and I'm anxious to give the, the listeners just a little piece of your journey here. Tell us what kind of business that you're in. Seedmark is a construction business. So we specialize in the maintenance, repair, and replacements of water and sewer assets. So example of that would be your fire hydrants, your water mains, your sewer mains, waterhouse connections, sewer house connections, things of that sort. Wow. And I think all of those things to the natural ear, unless you've been in that industry, sound really complicated, really big. <laughs> and so we need a specialized person like you, is right, what I'm right. hearing. But I appreciate guys like you that have gone into things that don't make sense to other people like me. Right. <laughs> Goodness for guys like you. Sydney, I got a question for you. Before we dive into your history, I want to know yes. at this stage of the game, you're obviously crushing. You've done something in your business yep. that less than 9% of any business um, has done. And that's a million or more in revenue. That's why you're here on the stage. Yeah. I want to know why you're pushing now. What's left to go get, bro? You've done it all, right? What's that, what else is there out there? What, what, are you, what are you fighting for now? So for me, I have three points to that. And the first would be my family legacy. I want that last name to mean something when I'm no longer here. So that's the main thing. And the second one would be my past. My past has played such a huge role and me continuing because I do not want to be back there. I do not want to be back to where funds are low, stress is at an all-time high. I yeah. do not want to be there anymore. So I just wake up every morning as if I just started. Yeah. Both the forward motion and then the rearview mirror that keeps you burning, I think <laughs> are incredible. You said you had three. Do you want to share your third one? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. The third one, the third one was my employees. Uh, so- what happens is, and it's crazy, this just happened to me a few days ago. One of my employees was buying his first house. And now it's, I'm, it's not just me anymore. Now I have to think of my employees. I have to think of their family life. I have to think of all of that. Because if I don't have something to give them, then in turn, they wouldn't have their opportunities as well. So that drives me really hard to keep going. Because now I know that they're dependent on my business as well. Yeah. The language that we use inside of the Gathering the Kings mastermind is yeah. this king or this kingship or this king mindset. 
and everything that you just described. I don't want to go back to the warrior. <laughs> yeah. I see the legacy of my, my son being on the throne and yeah. using this King language, the yeah. forward thinking legacy. And then the weight of the people that are around me, which includes my family, which right. includes my team, your local community, your church, you know, whatever it is, but that weight that you just described, it's real. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And it, it pushes me so hard because as yourself, you know how it is. You know how it is. <laughs> 100%. And it makes us better, even though it, there's pressure there. Like, I think that yeah. guys like you and me, we've had the pressure and that's why we are where we are. And so we actually look for it. We welcome it. And yeah, there's a reality there that other people are counting on me and that my neck's on the line. And I've probably got a, a way worse of a risk scenario a yeah. set up for myself than everybody on my team. But man, it fuels me to make sure and to know that, that others are taken care of. So I'm curious, just because I li I'm like-minded to you in this way, where right. do you think that comes from for you? Like to be able to provide, to be the, to the heavy shoulders, like wh where do you think that comes from for you? So I think part of that is from my childhood. Or let me say maybe my teen years, I was responsible for a lot as far as the small things, like maybe getting certain things done for the family and things like that. It started out small, but then I had to worry about certain things being done and right. you know, in a timely manner. And it just amounted to that. I'm originally from Ghana, West Africa. Wow. Yeah. So coming here to America as a first generation immigrant, that's something that is tough on the individual because yeah. you have to learn this new world, which Literally. is, you know, yeah. And then once you're here, it's like people depend on you. So when people depend on you at an early age, it's, you have to produce. Yeah. And I think that's where mine started. And then I just built on it. Yeah, I definitely didn't move here from another country. So you've definitely got a huge <laughs> leg up, but I grew up single mom family. Oh, wow. I, I, very much similar to what you're saying is that I took yeah. on responsibility or maybe even some circumstance I was given responsibility that maybe I wasn't supposed to have at a such right. a young age, but it's made me who I am. It just taught you, you just have to adapt. You just have to adapt to that change. Out. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'm curious to know how you got into business. You got a little bit of a background be between what you shared coming from West Africa and then now. Give it a little bit of your story here and how you kind of got started in business. So at first, I was actually pursuing a football career, as we you first talked about. And um, when doing that, I realized that was not going to work. So then I had to pivot. So I started. And why wasn't training. it going to work? So I tried out for a few teams. I just wasn't good enough. It. it takes a lot to become a professional athlete. I just look at it as I didn't have what it took. Yeah. At that time, I did not have what it took. I learned that lesson and then I had to pivot to reinvent myself, you would say. So I became a personal trainer. And then while personal training, I met a gentleman who we personal trained together and we were buddies. And then one day he brings this preposition up to me. He's like, you're a strong guy. I have this company that I work for and this is what we do. And at that time it was turning water valves. These water Something valves. Something a strong man is needed. <laughs> so at that time it was turning water valves. So I'm like, you know what? I could give it a try. And I always thought about it as a workout. So we would go out there and we would hit 50 valves per day. Wow. And the other crews, it was a lot for the other crews. But for me, I just kept going. It, yeah. it was a fun workout for me, you would say. So with time, I got promoted to a crew chief, started taking my own truck out. And then at that point, I wanted more. 
at that point, I wanted more to see, to push myself, see how far I can go. So next I wanted to be some type of project manager or project inspector. Or, so I started to look and then that led me to my first government position. So I was an inspector for a government agency here in, here in Maryland. When I got there, what happened was as an inspector, you see all of the line items that the other contractors send out. You are actually the one who vets everything that they say that they put in the ground and then they get paid that way. Yeah. So each day I'm looking, I'm punching these line items in and I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> there's something completely wrong here <laughs> that I'm not getting. So that right and, there and, was, and was <laughs> it, was it the realization that they're doing what I know how to do and they're making, and they're making <laughs> yes. phenomenal money. Yes. Literally. I'm just sitting there and I'm like, so I know how to do this. I know how to do this. I've seen how he did that. I know how to do that. And I'm really good with visual. Like I'm a visual learner. Yeah. I will learn very quickly visual and it would translate into actually doing. So I'm like, I know how to do these things. And now I have to learn how to monetize it because whatever it is that they did, it's working. So that was that realization stage for me. And that's when I started to do my research and that's, that was my light bulb moment right there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And so where I think the average person drawn to a government position as an inspector, it's security, paycheck, benefits, and you were just yep. seeing the numbers going, there's got to be something more. Total <laughs> yeah. entrepreneur just sitting there in a desk, <laughs> probably burning, I assume. Literally. So after that, I ended up getting another government opportunity in D.C., with the DC government. And I went down there. Soon as I got there is when I started Seedmark. And then the tough part for me was, okay, now I've created this LLC. What do I do now? What is it? Yeah. <laughs> so that was a challenging part because I didn't have any mentors to say, oh, you do this. So it was a lot of trial and error, yeah. but then they started working. These things started working. And then I'm like, you know what? I think each time I was one step closer. <laughs> and then before you know it, I got my first contract. Funny story. So the first contract that I had was with um, Howard County. This is in Maryland. Yeah. And I actually went to a business function and got a number from networking. Mm -hmm. I got the number of one of the deputies over there. So I emailed this gentleman. He gets back to me. I'm like, okay, the email works. So at first I start to email him every month or so. Yeah. And he eventually gave in and was like, you know what? Come over, let's talk. So yeah. I go in there, we're meeting, we have a meeting and they offered me a job with their municipality, but I turned it down. I was like, this is what I want to do. So I left. And then from a month, I started emailing him every two weeks to a week at times. And he got sick of me. <laughs> so I think he got sick of me because a few months after that, he just sent me an email saying, Hey, send us a quote for some hydrants. And that was it. That was a start. And quit, quit emailing me. Just send me the quote. <laughs> I love it. Obviously a story of, of persistence, but really the underneath what I heard you say, what I want to point out for the listener is that however many years before that, I don't think you and I, if we had been talking, would have thought that you would have been trying to bid on some sort of a hydrant government oh. opportunity. You were playing football, you were personal training, like that wasn't even in the scope of what you even understood at that time. And I think that the evolution of what happened, which is you as an individual, you're looking for something more, you're learning a new skill set, you're seeing opportunity, 
you took a chance, you started something you didn't know, but then you just started to reach out. You met some people like that whole couple of minutes of what you just shared literally is what we all have gone through to a degree, but it's the kind of bumbling fumbling until you can find that place where you're like, ah, okay, I'm in the lane. Now I just got to run hard, run hard. Usually means you're making some good decisions. I want to know once you got that first deal and things started to work, what was something that you did that we can learn from you right now that has been able to help you get to where you are now? So the one thing that was working backwards. Okay. And what happened was I found, this was one of the contracts that I had done. I found myself in a tough position. I didn't make contingency plans. So one thing happened, which was we struck an unmarked line, unmarked utility line. And with that came, oh man, we put about 140 houses out. (laughs) Uh Oh, calls started happening immediately. Oh man. When I tell you, it was about, it was about four or five trucks. And this was on a weekend. They want their overtime. They sent all of the managers. It was was terrible. Not good. Yeah. They did the investigation and later on found out it was a mistake on their part. But what that did on my part was it drew my project out longer. Sure. So now I'm leaving equipment, manpower, hours. All of that took away from profits being made. And so that was one huge lesson that I learned that you got to put everything into perspective, have contingency plans every step of the way, because when one thing happens, it can throw the entire thing off if you don't have that plan B or plan C. Yeah. And so tell us, so obviously the good decision that you're sharing, you you did it through a bad scenario here, but I I love the perspective that you have of, of turning that into a lesson. What is the contingency now? What would you leave the person listening with right now? They're six figures. They're, they're trying to figure out how to scale to where you are. What does that look like as a contingency for them to be basically you're talking about think through things a little bit. So what does that look like early on in business before you really got things going? What would you tell that person? So I would say, again, it goes back to that, that thinking backwards thing. So when I started out, when I realized the numbers that were being made and I had that light bulb moment, I told myself, okay. I'm going to go look at contracts. I'm going to go look at contracts that have already been bid. I'm going to look at what those requirements for those contracts are. And I'm going to put myself in the position to be able to bid on said contract in the future. So what that did was it, it was a long process, but after I found, okay, this is what this contract wanted I then, I then found that multiple contracts had that same thing. So it's the same. Yeah. It was the same requirements, insurance and bonding. It was the same requirements over and over again. So now when, after I move, after I work backwards, moving forward, I got all of those things in the place and then went ahead and started bidding on contracts. So that, that definitely helped me out on that. Yeah. And so I guess to put this in a framework for the listener, rather than spraying and praying is what comes (laughs) to my mind. You you just did a little bit of due diligence. You just figured out a little bit of what the, in this case, the contract, but the person that might be listening might be running a marketing company, have a client. They might be running a, a deck business and they have a homeowner or whatever, but to spend the time to figure out what it is that they're actually looking for and then show them how that you can 
give it to them. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes, yes, definitely. That's that book, Who Moved My Cheese? That's one of my favorite books. <laughs> that is it right there because I'm telling you, it's tough out there You know, when you don't know. Yeah. You just have to keep going. You have to keep looking. You have to do your research. You have to do these things. I appreciate that perspective as well. Yeah. I want to flip the coin to, you already shared maybe something that, that goofed. It wasn't <laughs> your bad choice though. So I want to make sure I get the juice on something that you did and the mistake that you made, because we want to learn from that as well. Give us that story. It was actually one of the first ones that I had mentioned with the outage right. with 140 houses, but uh, bidding, bidding is something that for me, I had to learn like in its entirety because I didn't, I wasn't doing that. I was more in the field. Sure. It's, it was starting out. There were times where I underbidded projects. And then once I got the project, now I'd have to make cuts in yep. order to make it work. And that is terrible. Yeah, that is terrible. And tell me why it's terrible. Like on the back end, you're cutting, you're cutting your people, you're cutting margins, obviously, but give us some of the detail there. Yeah. So a good example was material. So copper is extremely expensive versus poly, which is like rubber pipe. So I had this, there was this instance where I had bidded for a waterhouse connection and then on the private side, but then the private side, I didn't specify what pipe I was going to use. So after I had sent the bid in, I ended up winning the bid, but then now when it was time to do it and I calculated how much my copper was going to be, it, it blew it out the water. Yeah. So then that was me troubleshooting, getting the poly pipe and then actually using that instead, cut down on cost and then doing yeah, it that yeah. way. So you, you had to get creative, and, which we all have to do. Yeah. And especially in situations like that, where you're still trying to honor your word, do the right thing, make it a good product, but you had to switch it up. But now it sounds like maybe you have a little bit more of a process oh, to make man. sure that those things don't happen. <laughs> oh man. I double check, triple check <laughs> everything. So now really, I think the difference is I figure everything out, my all-in costs at its highest peak. And then I add my multiplier on there. That yeah. way, everything is up to par. Right now, we're running at a 62% profit margin. That's, I found that works for me a lot. Yeah. Now, I want to just, I want to point this out because you're saying this like you've got a degree in it. And, and I know you've had to learn it through the course of experience. But right. the person that's listening, they probably haven't quite dialed this in yet. And that's potentially one of the reasons why they're not at seven figures yet. And it's their pricing, it's the estimating, it's the sales process, all the stuff that we're talking about. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, figuring out what the person, in this case, it could be the client, the homeowner, the government contract, whatever this person or thing is that you're trying to fulfill, you got to figure out exactly what they want. And yeah. then you got to be able to give it to them and not shortchange it. And I've given several examples here on the show of how to do that. And even how I've taught people, even in a retail scenario, with edible arrangements, how to do that. But the experience has to be what they want and what they want most. And they'll pay for that, period. And then the other thing I heard you say there at the end, the margin is that you built in this very conservative approach to make sure that things were covered and then your multiplier. Now, I know what that means. Please explain that though. So it's basically, it costs $20 to do a job. I then add a 2.5 multiplier on there, which makes it $55. So now $20 is for the job remainder comes into my pocket as my profit. If the job goes over $20 and say it's $25, 
I'm still good. I'm still in the green. <laughs> still in the green. Yep. Yeah. And so you've got this figured out. The 2.5 multiplier for you works in your industry. It might be 1.5. It might be 7.5, depending upon what industry the listener's in. But yeah. you've got to figure out that number. That's the underlying thing that I haven't said yet is that yes. you got to know what to give and you got to know how to give it, which all comes down to really the numbers. You got to know yeah. the margin. I heard this story once on how to do this. I want to know what you think about it. I heard that basically if you want to take a job, and so if you were to price it out, in essence, the $20 example that you just gave is, okay, if I come in and do this myself, the labor, material, it's going to cost me $20. Like you need to pay me $20 to come do this. But then to, to transition that person from a solopreneur or maybe a person with a, a helper or two to get them to the next level, this right. mindset of what if you were to hire it out to another agency? So that same pipe to, that you were going to take $20 to install, <laughs> you're going to hire another company to install it. And yeah. they're going to take the $20 or maybe even 25. And so now you're charging the 55. And so at right. that point, so you got to do that. That becomes normal. You bid it or you process or you price yourself like you're going to hire it out. Then you have a choice. You can <laughs> yep. either hire it out or you can do it yourself. Exactly. Exactly. And the margin is obviously there every time. And, but in order to scale and grow, to get to where you got to go, where it's just, which is where you are now, you can't just do it for the 20 because right. then it's just you basically trading time for money. And there's no way to grow a team in that. So you've got to be able yeah. to price it out for the team like you just did with 20. And then there's got to be room for wiggle as well as then the margin for the business. Yeah. So to that point, so I have two contractors, the same thing. I have two contractors that actually go out and do these other jobs, the sewer, water and sewer jobs. So that's the same thing with them. Once I have my price, I then sub it out to them. They give me my price and then everybody's happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in essence, like a sub scenario like that, it's interesting. A lot of people can take different thoughts about subbing something out, but really what you're doing, you secure the contract. Right. That guy, he doesn't have to worry about the dealings, the customer, the relationship, yep. the securing of it, the way to, he just has to show up and do what he's good at. He's probably a technician. He's probably not necessarily thinking about the next five years and how they're going right. to be 40 million, which is fine. Like, okay. That's who he is. Yeah. That's I, not I who think, you are. Exactly. <laughs> I think as long as you make a good deal, if you agree yes. to that deal and that's the deal, if you're comfortable, as long as all parties are comfortable with that deal, yeah. you have a deal. And usually it'll keep happening because everybody yeah. falls in line with their with what they're good at. In this case, you're securing contracts and he's he or she, who, whoever the agreement's with, they're doing the contract or the actual execution of it. So right. we've talked about good decisions. We've talked about bad decisions. We've talked about process of how you're deciding things. I want to transition to the speed round. I want you to divide or dwindle your entire business down. If you can only pick one metric to track forever and ever, what would that one metric be? I would have to say that is, that would be product. Okay. Explain so what. I think what happens is I try to be as productive as I can be for every day that I wake up. I want to be as productive as I can be. So I want to utilize those 24 hours as much. And then what happens is that day becomes a week. And then I've been really productive for a week. And then with consistency, with consistency that week becomes a month. Yeah. And then... 12 months. And then now I'm looking at a full year of growth. And each time that I put my time and energy into something, it's going to yield some type of profit. 
whether it's financial, physical, whatever it is, it's going to yield some type of profit. So that consistency and productivity throughout the days that turn into months, years, and then decades moving forward, I think that's one thing that, that I measure all the time and try. I try to hit it every day. I try to hit my hours that I'm pouring into my business, pouring into my family, myself, just being productive all day. That it adds up. (laughs) It's so simple. It's so simple. It's the 1% rule. I want to become one. I want to be 1% better today than I was yesterday. But the reality of it is that it's so easy. Nobody does. Literally. Sometimes I I might get a call here and there to come, oh, come here, come hang out. I'm like, oh, I have to do this in this time period. I do this every day in this time period. So once I'm done with that, I'll have some wiggle room. To, oh man, that's yeah, the one that, thing that, that I, discipline. I, I love you've built discipline around productivity, and I also love probably more than everything you just said is that productivity can be measured in profit, but in different ways in your life. Yeah. There's so many guys and gals listening right now that are wearing too many hats. They feel like they're being productive, but they're just busy. That's not production. Yeah, they're running around crazy, which you have to do for a period of time. But if you can be disciplined in productivity with your finances, then you can start putting a team in place. Then now your production is around hiring and around moving the needle and around pressing into some of the areas that, of the business that only you could be good at, which you've done. You had mentioned family, like all these other things that like we are concerned about yeah. that just take a little bit yeah. of discipline regarding productivity. I love the way that you said it. So, Thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> what book would you recommend, Sydney, for a six-figure business owner? You already mentioned Who Moved My Cheese. That's a great book. We'll list that one in the show notes as well. But what else do you got for us? I really enjoyed Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That's an all-time favorite. Okay. Tell um, us your takeaway for that. A book, basically, it just taught me to think big at all times because there's a lot of people that can't see 10 years past what they're looking at right now. And right. What that book did was it opened my mind to more thoughts. And you can start something and it can grow. It can grow so big. Like just never think the sky is the limit because above the sky is something else. We just got to go find out what it is. Yes. I think that might be one of the, one of the really good ones. I think most people listening right now are, whether they're deciding to, or whether they don't even realize it, that they're thinking small. No. So I think people think at whatever level that they are, right? Or whatever level that they're around. And then what happens, yeah, what happens is people get intimidated with going into rooms with people who are great. And that's one thing that I've made myself comfortable with, because the only way for me to excel is to be around people that are greater than me. So I strive. I strive for that. I strive to my buddies, people that I hang out with. They're all above me. I'm 29 at this point in my life, and none of my friends are below 38, literally. (laughs) Everybody's just older, wiser. So I take a lot. I take a lot in from them and pour it into myself. It's not only financially. That's the thing too, because a lot of people think to, it's only the finances, but mentality, just, just a lot of things that I pick from different individuals in my life and then use that to grow what I already have and just keep building those blocks. Yeah. I love it. I got a question for you around operations. Since you, yep. you mentioned productivity, if you only had one hour each yes. week to work on the business, how would you use that hour to successfully run your business like you do now? I would have to find a CEO. Boom. 
I would pour so much time into finding the best CEO for my company. Love the mindset. Phenomenal answer. <laughs> Thank you. A- anxious to watch you do that. Yeah. Another, yeah. another love growth for you. Yeah. Last question for you, my brother. If you lost it all, I know you're only 20, <laughs> but if you lost it all, what would you do, man? What would you do? Oh, man. I would probably go the real estate way. Okay. But change, then how, change industries. Yeah. But I would want to start from the bottom. I would want to learn the numbers on each and every. I wouldn't mind going back down as a laborer and find out everything, the ins and outs of building a structure, building a house, cement, foundation, everything. I would learn how to do that. And I will open my own firm and build some houses. That's awesome, man. Love You, you, <laughs> you didn't even think twice about trying something brand new that you've never done before. Oh, yeah, yeah. The thing is, I feel as though there's money to be made in everything that you yeah. can think of. Yep. The only thing is learning that skill, learning whatever it is that you, that you desire. With me, I've always been handy. I've always been handy. I use my hands. I think of things a lot faster than so. That's why I moved right back to construction. It would be a different type of construction, but yeah. it would be construction. Because currently, I know how to start another water construction business <laughs> right off the bat. So right. that would be easy to that would be easier. Not easy, but that would be easier to get going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I love the mindset. You know, maybe I don't know if the listener feels this way. I definitely do, but it's just flowed out of your mindset of. Oh yeah, I just go do it, which I think is obviously unique to a little bit of the craziness that entrepreneurs carry. I think that even though the listeners right now, maybe they haven't gotten to our level of revenue or quote unquote success, I think we can all relate to the idea of, man, I'd just keep going or I'd figure something else out or I'd pivot or I'd try something different or I'd try a different industry. In this case, you, it just came so easy to you as far as, oh yeah, that'd be fun. I could get to, I, I could actually learn something else. Yeah. <laughs> it's just such an optimistic way of looking at things. Yeah. So the funny thing about that is last, the ending of last year, I actually created a real estate company. Of course, <laughs> when you get that CEO, you'll have a little bit more time to build that, that real estate company. That's exactly what I'm looking forward to now. Yeah, so. buddy. That's awesome. Sydney, it's been incredible having you here. Just so much success at such a young age. I I appreciate that. And when I was in my 20s, I was doing amazing things. But you, my friend, have you've got it. You've got the it factor. You're going to be incredible at everything that you put your hand to. I look forward to running with you. How can the listener today, how can they find you? How can they connect with you, get to know you better, that type of thing? My Instagram, Instagram is Seedmark. So just type in Seedmark, I'd pop up. Facebook is Seedmark Water Construction. And you can always leave a line on our website, which is seedmarkwater.com. So those will be the great best ways to reach out to me. Oh, I also have a LinkedIn, (laughs) Sydney Sogmore. Right, there you go. Got to remember that last name. You told me I was going to remember the last name. That's awesome, man. I just appreciate you being here. You've been incredibly valuable. We wish you nothing but success in all that you put your hand to, especially that new real estate company when you get that CEO in place. Right, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, man. Thank you, Chad. It's been great. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. 
What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.